With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another We Are West Ham podcast. Another week with the guys and yet still more Hammers chat for you. So much to come on tonight's show. But I'm, as always, joined by Will Pugh and James Jones from We Are West Ham. And you're listening to me, Charlie Hawkins. Well, it's a special show once again. We've got more guests lined up for you, as we will do in future weeks as well. But on tonight's show, Rashane Thomas, West Ham correspondent at The Athletic, joins us telling us his thoughts on the season, talking a little bit about the board and just the brilliant articles and interviews he has done of late, giving us the inside track to what is truly happening where the Hammers are concerned. Then we're going to be taking a little turn, a little bit of freedom, as there is no football of late. Five players that mean a lot to Will and a lot to James. And more importantly, five players that meant a lot to you. You can always get in touch with We Are West Ham and have your say. Do you agree with their top five? And the battle, as it always does, will commence at the end of the show. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. It is getting tight. It was a big week last week. What will happen tonight? But as always, we kick it off. I have to ask Ada Jensa. It's been another week and another week where I can't see them, but I can see their beautiful faces on Skype. Will, I start with you. Firstly, mate, are you well? Are you healthy? How's it all going? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, health uh, as good as ever. Nothing's changed really health-wise. I'm getting fatter by the day, but um, I'm sort of pretty reassured to hear that I'm not the only one. But more importantly, the first topic on the agenda, as it was last week, I think we should address it again this week, is headwear. Uh, this week, I've gone get decided against the hat. I've just had a shower before we did the pod, so I've gone with the slick back. Uh, Jonesy, as you can see on the webcam there, has gone with the frontways New York Yankees curved cap. And mine, obviously, last week was the the flat, the snapback, if you will, backwards. Um, so I'm just interested, obviously, first of all, to hear your thoughts on that. And Jonesy, perhaps your thought process in, in wearing the hat? Uh, well, I mean, the, reason, the only reason why I put this on today was because um, when I got out of the shower this morning, I couldn't be asked to, to dry my hair um, and just thought, well, there's only one way around that. And that's just to whack mm. a hat on. I've not got to go anywhere. I've not got to leave the house. I'm not allowed. 
Um, so yeah, I just thought, oh, today's hat day, and then it just happened to coincide with the fact that we're recording this week. Hopefully, Charlie agrees that this is the right way to wear a hat and not the way you wore it last week. Mm. I'm going to be honest. Last week was was a, a fashion low for me, seeing Will Few with a snapback wearing it backwards. <laughs> but then today, we've discovered new depths with James. <laughs> it, it's, it, it is from, and that is fashion correct, but you've just not pulled it off, sir. It is, it is a sight to behold. And uh, I thought Will was rascal, but this is... This is a new frontier for me and uh, one I'm, I'm going to have to think about over the coming days. Um, you know, I think uh, Jonesy and I, we're bold in our fashion choices, but given that you're, you've uh, opted once again to go audio only, even though <laughs> you confirmed before the podcast you've got video capabilities, I think that says more about you than it does me and James, Charlie. So, I think it does on the intelligence front. Yeah, it definitely says much more about me in the ribbon stakes. But just uh, for the listeners and you guys as well, I am wearing the cap front ways and it's a San Francisco Giants. Nice curve. Got to say, looking at James, maybe I should have done all the I'm feeling a little bit more positive about life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into it, James. Just firstly, then, before Will gives us a quick roundup of all the headlines where West Ham are concerned. You, family, boy, everyone will. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, Aaron. Thanks, mate. Um, uh, apart from the fact, just like we're getting a lot fatter by the day, uh, I've, I've got to the point where I know I need to start exercising, but I'm rubbish at getting myself into some kind of routine on the exercise front. So I've guilt-tripped myself uh, into buying an, an Apple Watch uh, with the thought process that I've spent the money, so I've got to get fit. Um, when I said that to my wife, she just laughed. Yeah, it'll definitely play out like that, mate. Um, yeah, it's going to... It's gonna, I, I, Maybe for a week, but then I reckon this time in two weeks' time, we'll be collecting dust on on the table. But uh, it's good intentions. The intentions are there. And I just want to quickly point out, we're we're not in the studio. We said this last week. We're all at home. It is lockdown, but we are all making the effort every week to have a chat. And can we just let everyone know that you two, you've you've got a little beverage while we're doing this. You know, what is the tipple of choice? Might just be West Ham, but a nice chance to have a drink, even if we're not in the same room. Yeah, I just copied James, to be honest. I saw James <laughs> did it last week and he looked really good fun. And then I've, I've seen his line went up again this week. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a wine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought I'd have a glass of red, but I've run out of red now, so I've just got a classic can of Foster's. So, um, oh, dear. What a mix. Gone from a real high-class South of France rouge to a, to a proper Australian lager. Australian brewing, rouge. Yeah, mm. brewing in but it's Australian, so it is what it is. And just to say, James is wearing a baseball cap, a hoodie and drinking a Foster's and you didn't want Millwall in the cup. Who would have thought it? And Will, Will, uh, he's got a wine and he always likes to have a wine verbally as well. Will, what are those headlines for West Ham this week? Yeah, I mean, I thought we'd, like you said there, Charlie, the no football action, obviously, but there's actually been a fair bit going around um, with the club this week. So what I thought I'd do, Josie, I'd reel you off some headlines, um, see which ones your favourites were, see which ones you wanted to talk about. But there wasn't, you know, as you can imagine, there wasn't too much in-depth material, but a couple of little transfer lines and a bit on the stadium. So I've got Yarmolenko says he wants to stay. Uh, West Ham keen on DJ and Lovren. Mauro Zarati said he left West Ham because he wasn't playing in the right position and West Ham insists they will not play with an athletics track around it even if they have to play games in the summer. Those are sort of the four main ones that I could uh, that I picked up from the week. Obviously we'll hear a bit more from Rashane in a minute but are there any of those that sort of leap out at you? 
Well, in the Yarmouth Enco one, um, I didn't know he was even in line to leave the club. I know Jared yeah. Bowen's coming, going, and he's kind of like probably edged ahead of him in pecking order given his injury problems, Yarmouth Enco. But I didn't even think he was in line to leave. Um, so for him to come out and say he wants to stay, it's like, right, fine, mate. Yeah, he can stay. It's quite a good backup if he's fit. Um, Lovren, what, why, uh, is my question. I don't know why. We'd be in for someone like Lovren. Doesn't fit potentially, but it doesn't really fit this new sort of transfer strategy that Moyes has been talking about and the club keep talking about. You know, he wants to buy young players, particularly from the championship. He's already done done that. Um, so why would you go for? Well, I don't even know how old Lovren is. What 30, 31? Why would he go for uh, a defender like that? Um, who's got a mistake in him? Um, this, and he's what he's so he believes he's the one of the best defenders in the world as well. Which not a fan of that ego, given that he definitely isn't. So um, yeah, uh, strange one that that transfer rumor. Zarate, um, meh. I will just add, sorry, to just Yarmolenko and Zarate for that they were asked questions rather than came out and made an effort to kind of say Zarate was just doing an interview with um, I think it might have even been someone in Argentina and he was just asked why he left West Ham he said it was because he wasn't playing in the right position excellent hair Zarate and I did always love him but uh, Yarmolenko yeah I think it's the same sort of thing the only thing I'd say about Yarmolenko before we move on to the stadium one he's, he's on a fair old wedge isn't he yeah, yeah 70 grand a week I think something like that he's probably on a bit of a lump but if you're going to have a player like that and you as a backup, and he's pretty proved at the beginning of this season that he's still got it in him, and he's just got to stay fit. And I know a lot of fans would be like, well, you know, we can't have injury-prone players. You know, Wilshere's probably going to leave. We've already got rid of Andy Carroll. Like, we need to be getting rid of those players. But I think someone like Yarmolenko, who was unlucky with that initial injury that he got against Spurs last season when he was out for the rest of the campaign, I, you know, I think it's probably worth worth having him about. You know, if he's a backup player, then he's a good player to bring off the bench. And what about the what about the stadium then? West Ham coming out and because it's been there was some conflicting stories saying that the you know the events, baseball and some athletics that were lined up for the summer, which because of coronavirus probably won't be happening anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that for in a situation where sport is back and the Premier League is played over the summer, West Ham. Absolutely adamant, and we we thought as much last week. They've actually come out and spoke. David Gold spoke this week, and there was an official statement released by the club that, with fairly strong words, nothing too confrontational, just saying, look, we are the anchor tenants. We, you know, we've got written confirmation, basically saying, can everyone stop talking about it, please, because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think that's probably the right thing to do for the club. Just get it out there, you know. Um... Put everything straight. Um, I don't. I don't see what the mass, what the issue would be if there was a running track and not a carpet. I mean, <laughs> no, but it would have been the 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 lower seats would have been retracted. Where the retractable seats are, the ones that are still right. there in situ behind them, fans would have had to sit in those. It's it's good that they've come out and sort of set the record straight. I don't think it would really would have affected us too much. Um, I can't imagine fans would be going watching any of the remaining games when they do start up anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good to know. Hopefully, the fans will be there to go, go back and watch the last few games of the season if they're played out, which we still don't know yet. 
Yeah, and we're going to be joined by Rashane Thomas, who may know more about that in just a few minutes' time. But just quickly to you two, another big headline uh, that we should maybe talk about revolving around West Ham. Obviously, apparently up to eight players testing, uh, not testing positive, but showing symptoms of COVID-19 at the minute. And, you know, that, that's big news at the club. Obviously, what is going on uh, with the pandemic at the minute? And we're saying football, is it any closer? But we still don't know if players, even if non-playing staff will contract it, can we go back into those games? And West Ham kind of at the forefront of those headlines this week, James. A lot of people would have been surprised when that came out. Um, I mean, it did kind of surprise me that Karen Brady said it the way she did. We have to expect that, given the the level of the pandemic, we have to expect these footballers, club staff, to, to be able to come down with it. And as long as they only get the symptoms and they're all right after seven days or 14 days or whatever that, that period is, they reckon once you've had it, you won't, you know, you can't get it again. Will, just quickly on that. No, I echo what James has said, really. I think the exactly what you said, that you're going to get people, footballers in all walks of life who are going to pick it up, aren't you? Seen Arteta, everyone gets it to varying degrees of severity. And absolutely what James said, as it, as it kind of same thing applies to the whole of society, really, doesn't it? As long as people come out the other side of it and, you know, if people are going to be affected, it's going to be a bit of a rough period of time while they've got it. As long as they come out the other side healthy and their families are okay. That's what's important, really. And I know, you know, some people might be getting bored of hearing that, but ultimately it is. And I feel like that a lot about all the Premier League chat. I think it was Georgie Bingham off of TalkSport today tweeted some quite a passionate rant just saying, you know, everyone's getting so pent up with what's going to happen to the Premier League, what's going to happen to the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. Just people out there dying still, isn't there? And, you know, I know some people patter it out a little bit too often, but there's nurses and doctors and healthcare professionals and, you know, delivery drivers, all that sort of thing, who are stepping out the door every day, worrying if they're going to get it and who they're going to pass on to their family. I think me and James and sort of the lucky ones, really, who our job allows us to sit at home and crack on with what we do. So I hope all the players are healthy. Now, more than ever, footballers are one of the rest of us, aren't they? They're, they really are. But at a time like this, this is a this is a real leveler, isn't it? So yeah, just I hope West Ham players, if they've got it, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, whoever ends up picking it up at teams or in society, just uh, gets through it and and as unscathed as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, thoughts with everyone and hope everyone is staying safe. But like we said, a bit of a pleasure and a, a special one for us because Rashane Thomas, West Ham correspondent from the Athletic, is joining us next. Well, you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. And as promised, and we always deliver, delighted to say now joining us is Rashane Thomas, West Ham correspondent from The Athletic. Rashane, really good to get you on the show tonight. Real, really chuffed that we are, that we've, we've managed to bag you for 10 minutes or so. The, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time. Your articles at the minute, doing some great interviews, some great pieces. Really wanted to get the thoughts on those behind the scenes of what is going on. But no football at the minute. Rashane, for you, what is your general thoughts on the season? Will it be back? Will it be concluded? Yeah, I believe the season will return at some point. I mean, there's a lot of stake for it to just end just like that. And it'll be a great shame for the season just to be like non void. Obviously, we all know Karen Brady wants that to happen, but... Oh, yeah, I believe the season will return at some point. I don't believe it will be the end of April. We're looking at perhaps June earliest, maybe. And obviously, we're talking about games possibly being played behind closed doors. But I feel like in terms of how 
we are on the table, West Ham, like we need our supporters, like we're in a relegation log fight. So I don't think it was working in our favour if the games were to resume behind closed doors. Rashane, what's your personal opinion on? Because there is, I know Karen Brady said at first about the season being null and void, and she kind of jumped the gun a little bit, or not jumped the gun, but said it quite early. But the longer this situation goes on, and the more yeah, profound and the more of a big deal it becomes beyond football, the coronavirus as a whole, it seems, certainly from my perspective, I've said it on the show in the past few weeks, but the more time goes on, it seems more and more feasible, more and more likely that you're going to get to a stage where you've just got to call this season void because otherwise it's going to have such a knock-on effect. What's your sort of personal view on it? Uh, my personal view is also always like, you got to, if you start something, you've got to finish it. And I just yes, believe like, it would be, be a great shame if the season was to be... Like, just, just think of it as a football fan. Like, I mean, this is the first season since like I had Afro that Liverpool have had a chance to win a Premier League title. And if it was to become known, void and able to win, that would be a great shame. Just so thinking as purely the football fan, if that were to happen as well. Rashane, do you know whether the, the club have got some kind of contingency plan in terms of, I mean, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit because I'm, I'm of the view that, yeah, I'm, I feel the same as you. The season should be finished one way or another. But I, the more this goes on, the more serious it gets in the news and, I just can't see it happening one way or another. But do you know whether the board have got some sort of, some sort of plan in terms of how they're going to sort the season tickets out, what they're going to do about player contracts if it does go into June and, and July? Um, is, is there a plan in place? Is, is there been any sort of talk behind the scenes there? Well, it's funny you should, uh, should mention that because I wrote a piece like on like you know how like fans are like getting over their protests, and I spoke to uh, Sue. And she's a she take a hold of. And she was telling me she's had no dialogue with the club in terms of like how it's going to work in terms of renewal because now it's the time where either you make a direct debit or like you know you know you go about telling the club you want to renew for next season. So she's mm-hmm. had no communication whatsoever. So that's what she's told me so far in terms of uh, from that angle. But in terms of like whether staff will get like a deduction of their wages or whether that happens to players, that's something I don't know yet. You know, we know Pablo Zabaleta and Carlos Sanchez are out of contract and I think we're all right in saying we, we, we all let them go right now if that was possible. So, yeah. <laughs> Shane, you've uh, you touched on it there. I think, to be honest, on that point, I think if the club now sent out things about season tickets or whatever, they'd get absolutely slammed, wouldn't they? You know, asking us for money, asking us to think about next season now, blah, blah, blah. So I think from my perspective, I think that's, it's quite a sensible decision from the club to sort of keep that to themselves for now obviously it will be something they think about as the situation develops but what's your just back to on the pitch you've you've covered West Ham every single game this season I've bumped into you a a couple of them and having seen him home and away which is something only a few fans get to do there's obviously a hardcore of the away fans that get to go a lot you've seen him every single week we've had conversations before but what are your sort of thoughts on the season up till now on the pitch because obviously up until the the recent upturn it was it's been quite an eventful one to say the least for the club oh definitely an eventful season that's for sure I mean up until that Man United game I was thinking you know what like we, we could actually qualify for Europe here I mean I was looking at like flight. I was looking at flights to like Spain, you know, and all these sort of places because it was it was looking like a possibility. I mean, obviously Fabianski suffered an injury, and that, in my opinion, sort of derailed the season because Roberto went in goal, and we all know what happened there. So that happened, and I felt like we suffered as a result because when he got injured, and so too did Mikel Antonio, and then Andrea Malenko got injured. So I just felt like 
one bad thing after another. And we didn't really recover after that Oxford United game as well. And then, for me, the point of view, I was sort of getting frustrated with Manuel Pellegrini because I felt like he was being stubborn with his tactics. Like, he just wasn't experimenting enough. He wasn't, you know, integrating, like, players like, you know, Anthony Scully or Conor Coventry or Nathan Holland, just to, like, change things up a little bit. So that was a frustration. And obviously, just to, you know, uh, like, like, when David Moyes got in charge, obviously, I was happy with that appointment. And then, yeah, so... Were, were you happy? Were you happy with that originally? The Moyes yeah, appointment? Did you I, think it was I a was, positive move? I was because, from me, the point of view, he's going to engage with us, so that, that was already an advantage. And yeah, like, watch, what, he's, he's much more journalist friendly, isn't he, David uh, Moyes and Pellegrini? 100%, 100%. I remember I always told you a story. I was running late once for a press conference for Pellegrini, and it was probably the worst press conference I've ever been to. I mean, oh, just terrible, absolutely terrible. So in terms of Moyes, I like him because like, I feel like he has a point to prove. It didn't work out for him at Man United, Real Sociedad and Sunderland. So I feel like now we're going to hopefully see the best best Moyes. I mean, we've won, what, two games in his first 10 league games, I think it was. And prior to his whole performance in matches, I felt like we're making like, decent progress. We saw in that leg game against Liverpool, I know we lost 3-2, but we saw a little bit that the team was starting to gel, was starting to come together. And then, you know, uh, we won against Southampton, lost against Arsenal, but I mean, if we're taking our chances, that would have been an entire different result. So I thought like, we were making a bit of progress, and then just typical West Ham, this happens, and then, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've spoken to quite a few players to see what, what they reckon in terms of whether we'll survive or not, and the vast majority of them believe that we have what it takes to stay up. But Shane, in terms of, I mean, I think we'll stay up as well, and it's good to see that uh, Morris was, was beginning to turn it around towards the end there. Um, and he's also spoken about, you know, if he does keep us up, then... You know, he, he'd like to sort of see the project through, yeah. um, unlike he did. He got the chance to do last time, uh, where he's sort of unfairly sort of shown the door for for Pellegrini. Do you think that if he does keep us up, whenever the season's finished, um, whenever it happens, do you think that he is the right man to take this club? Um, I'm not going to say the next level because um, no one <laughs> knows what that is, but. Do, do you see him taking us forward to a point where, you know, we're not fighting for relegation and we're consistent, consistently, at least in the in mid-table, battling for that top eight spot? Yeah, I actually believe that Moyes could, like, make us, like, finish, like, secure top ten finishes. And another thing which I've been impressed with him, like, in his press conferences, he's always said, like, if the board, like, give me a chance, I want to bring in, like, young, exciting players, like, for the championship and, like, make them gel and players have a point to prove. Like, how many times have we signed players like that's, that's here for one last payday and it's been so so much of a struggle to sell them? And when we do sell them, we get peanuts. I mean, if you look at the accounts, there's been hardly any money gained from, like, player sales because it's been players that's been brought in towards the end of their careers. So Moyes is like, listen, I want to get players from the championship, the likes of, like, Jared Bowen and others who can do well, have resale value, have a point to prove, you know, play for the shirt. And I feel like, if given time, Moyes can do that. Rashane, one one thing that's been a huge bone of contention for the entire season and that coronavirus has obviously taken focus away from that, and rightfully so, is the, the protests against the board. And there's been a, a variety of levels of coverage across, you'll, you'll know as well as I do, yeah. looking across the, the sort of different publications, if you like, there's been different levels of coverage. Yours, and I'm not just saying it because you're on the show, you've attended a few of the protests yourself, you've spoken to 
the uh, I believe Paul Colborn and yeah. uh, also Sue from WHUISA and uh, Paul from Hammers United as well. You've been to a few of the protests yourself. I've seen a lot of your videos and the stories you've done. Yeah. What your coverage has been quite, you know, you, you've covered it quite intently and quite intensely. Sorry. What's your what was your sort of thoughts on that? You've been quite close to both sides because you're close to the club as well. What was your sort of overall takeaway from that at the time we're at now where it seems to have settled down a bit? I'll say well, I'm pretty sure I saw you at one of the protests with your banners as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't me, mate. I'd have, I'd have been in the office writing about it. <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, I've been to all of them. I've been to the one again before the Everton game, one before the uh, Southampton game. And uh, I just thought there was so much momentum gathering. I mean, before the Everton game, it was a few hundreds, probably about five to seven hundred, maybe if not more. Before the Southampton game, it was one into the thousands. Mm. One into the thousands. I felt like the next one was going to be before the Burnley game, and I would have thought that would have been even bigger. And that was the main reason behind that piece on Monday, because I just felt like with this whole coronavirus stuff, we've sort of lost that momentum a little bit. But being in the middle and covering it in a way where I'm not trying to annoy the club, but I also want to cover it in a way where, you know, I want the supporters to like, not supporters, yeah, but readers to reflect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's it's been it's been a challenge at times, but I mean, for example, the one before Southampton, I mean, there was so much fans and so much banners that you sort of had to just put on, not the fan cap, but you just had to report in a way where like this is the harsh reality of what's going on, and just people need to know about it, sort of thing. What have you found from the sorry James? What have you found from the club side then? Have you found that with the dealing with the club and you know that because their point of view, I think there is a feeling yeah. at the club that their side of it doesn't get over quite as much yeah. as they'd like. Have yeah. you found it from that side of things? Yeah, from that side of things, it is a challenge because I mean these are people who have to like deal with on a regular basis. So and obviously it's not it's not particularly uh, great media coverage we're getting when I'm covering a protest. Not just myself, other reporters as well. So that's a challenge, but I mean, as I said, you, you've got to report on what's happening. I mean, uh, it's not related to this, but I can give an example of like when Mikel Antonio crashes Lamborghini. Obviously, that's not a great story to cover, but you have to report on, what, on what's happening. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, it's been tough, but it's just a, it's part of the job, really. We were saying away from sort of covering uh, the sort of the current affairs going on at the club. You know, you, you you've managed to get some cracking interviews with some some ex West Ham players. The likes of Samasi Abu, uh, Julian Fober, Callum Davenport. Um, any, any really funny stories out of any of those? I mean, I, I'm, I'm eager to learn a little bit more about Samasi Abu and how he's getting on at the moment. To be honest, all my interviews, they've all pretty much been a challenge because these are players that are just, like, just out of the spotlight, you just don't hear from them. So they've all been difficult to track down. I mean, we can start with Julian Fober. I mean, that took about, I'll probably say, five months to arrange that interview. Seriously? So, yeah, that took ages to interview, to arrange. I mean, so, last November, I, I, I forgot what day it was, but I put together, like, a list of names I want to track down, and Julian was on the top of that list. So, obviously, told my editor, he's like, yeah, let's try and get Julian for a beer. Tracked him down, and then he was like, oh, I'm living in France. And I thought, oh, it'd be good to do this interview face-to-face. So, flew out to Nice. And uh, we arranged the time to meet. So I get there, and uh, you know, I phone Julian. I'm like, "Hey, Julian, I'm here. Where are you?" He's like, "Oh, sorry. Give me, give me ten minutes. Give me ten minutes. I'll be there." Ten minutes came. I'm waiting for him. I'm like, "Julian, I'm here. Where are you?" Ah, give me an hour. I'll be there in an hour. Definitely an hour. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, I'm in a different country. It's hot. I've got a jacket on. Like, so I wait an hour. 
That weirdly doesn't surprise me. I don't know about you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so I went an hour and he's like, 15 minutes. I'm thinking, Julian, are, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My flight home's in an hour. Yeah. It's a 15 minutes. I'm thinking, okay, no problem. 15 minutes comes, I phone him back. I'm like, Julian, you know the bike? He's like, my friend, I'm so, so sorry. We're going to have to do the interview tomorrow. So he's like, let's meet at the airport, Nice Airport. So I'm thinking... The airport? Why the airport? Why not somewhere else? He's like, oh, no, my friend, let's meet the airport. I'll, de- I'll definitely be there. 12 o'clock, I'll be at the airport. I'm like, Julian, are you sure? He's like, yes, 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 yes. 12 o'clock, I'll be at the airport. So the morning comes. I'm in a group. I'm thinking, yep, I'm going to interview Julian Faubert today. You know, he said he could get to the airport at 12 o'clock. I get there. Is Julian Faubert at the airport? No, he's not. And then after that, he wouldn't answer his phone. He wouldn't answer his phone. No. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't answer his phone. I'm just thinking, I flew out to Nice, trying to do this interview. Like, ah, uh, like it just stood me up twice. So you, so you managed to get it in the end. What what happened? I just kept persisting. I kept bothering him, and then I think the last time I messaged him was like around February time. So I thought, hey, coronavirus, no one's going anywhere. Let me let me just try one more time. So I messaged him like, hey, Julian. Are you saying you took advantage of this pandemic, Roshane? Oh, Is that really oh, what you're oh, trying to say? Oh, you saw oh, an oh, you oh, saw oh. a window of opportunity, you saw an opening, and you thought, that's a bit of me. And if you're saying that, Roshane, I can only admire you, sir. A hundred percent, mate. I thought <laughs> no one is going like everywhere's shut, we're all on lockdown. Like, how how can he turn me? He can't turn me down. <laughs> he must be so <laughs> bored. <laughs> so I was like, hey Julian, are you are you free today? He's like, oh yeah, two o'clock, I'll be free. I was thinking, yes. This is good. So I phone him. He doesn't pick up. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, Julian, what are you doing? I try him again. doesn't pick up. And then he phones me back. He phones me back. And then we do the interview. And then that magic happens. Well, one of the, one of the best things to come out of that, like, when you, when you spoke to him, obviously, it's good for everyone to see exactly what goes into getting the things they read on their phones in five yeah. or ten minutes or whatever. The main headline out of that was how much he hated Abraham Grant. <laughs> what where did that come from? Uh, so I, I was like, Julian, you played under, you played under um, um, Zola, Kevin Key when he was like caretaker, Samuel Dice, and also Avram Grant. I mean, what were they like? And he was like, oh yeah, you know, Zola got the best out of me. I really enjoyed playing under him. Samuel Dice was really good. But when he went, when he went to Zola, I mean, when he went to Avram Grant, like that was like a ten minute rant. It was like, Avron Grant was rubbish. This guy was so antisocial. Like his motivational skills were shit. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, this is brilliant. Like, this is, I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing my hands. I'm thinking, oh, keep going. Like, tell me more stuff. And then he was just there, yeah, just kept going on the rant, really. And I think a lot of it was down to the fact when that game against Birmingham, when he, when he left, and Avron Grant pretty much gave him a run around. He's like, oh, one minute you're in the squad, then you're out of the squad. So I felt like that just fueled it even more. You you uh, you mentioned there as well. So you you done Callum Davenport, and you you, know, out, you spoke to him about him and his mum being yeah. attacked by a or oh, sorry, being attacked by a knife wielding yeah. lunatic, refusing to sit on a bench at West Ham. Samasia Boo, how he loved yeah. watching EastEnders. Dot Cotton, John Monker yeah. leaving a man for dead. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that John Monker bit before we move on. Yeah, so for the John Monker interview, I was actually doing a piece on the um, Intertoto Cup because um, last. Last August when I joined the Athletic, it was actually the 20th anniversary. Right, so I put yeah, together yeah. a list of players I wanted to like speak to, like Shaka Hislop, John Monker and others, Scott Minter, I think, as well. So, yeah, I was, I was just literally interviewing for that. And then um, 
And then I noticed, like, he's become religious. So I was like, you know, John, like, talk me through how you became, like, a bullying Christian. And then he spoke about that story of being in Finland and almost, like, killing someone. And that was the reason behind, you know, he became so religious. And I was thinking, like, wow, like, this is just crazy. And then, yeah, that's how that magic came about as well. So that, that was purely accidental, that piece. What, what about uh, Samassi Abu? I'm, I'm so eager to hear more about Samassi. Um, is a bit of a cult hero from yeah. when I grew up? Um, and everyone remembers the, the chant where he, he, he genu- didn't he genuinely think the fans were booing him. Yeah. Um, so and really, I had to tell him that actually, no, mate, they're just singing your name. <laughs> Fort Boo, I actually, um, I tracked him down via Facebook. So um, I literally typed in Samassi Abu on Facebook in a search bar. And I came across um, this account. I think it was his his uncle. His uncle posted a picture of, of him as, as Samassia Boo. And I messaged him, like, hey, I'm a journalist in London. I'm trying to track down Samassia Boo. I know she put this picture up. Any chance you can help me? And he gave me his number. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is brilliant. I've got the number after one message. So I'm, oh, I'm in dreamland right now. So... I messaged Samasia Boot, and I'm actually going to go on my phone right now because this wasn't straightforward either. This took ages to, to arrange. I first messaged Samasia Boot, first messaged him in September. I was like, hey, will you be free? He's like, oh, I don't have time. I'm not free. I'm not free. So even that took ages to arrange. But when I eventually spoke to him on the phone, he was just hilarious. So much jokes he could remember. He spoke about like, EastEnders and Dot Cutting, and he was laughing. <laughs> he was laughing through that as well. And we spoke, speaking about like when John Monker would get naked in the changing room and <laughs> stuff like that. It was just it's incredible. And like the Abu chant, he said like some fans came up to him in a restaurant with his wife and he almost got, he almost got thrown out of the restaurant because they're creating too much noise. So yeah, he had nothing but good stories as well. Nothing but good stories. Always good stories when you come on, Roshane, and, and join us. Really delightful uh, hearing what you had to say. More so, uh, it was more funnier when with uh, John Monker naked in the shower, Samassi in EastEnders, and Julian Faber ghosting you for about six months. But it was more worrying, maybe, <laughs> Roshane, that you've, uh, you said Julian joined you because he was on lockdown, and we've been trying to get you for months, and now you've only decided yeah. to join us when you're on lockdown. Bit of a pattern there, but we really appreciate you coming on tonight and giving us a little bit of your time. Hopefully, mate, we'll get you on sooner. Roshane Thomas there, West Ham correspondent for The Athletic. Well, what a delight and treat that was. A real pleasure to get Roshane Thomas, West Ham correspondent from The Athletic, joined us there. Just We had to keep him on that little bit longer. Some brilliant anecdotes, some brilliant stories, some brilliant one-liners trying to track down those players. We know how tough it can be, but he gave us the inside story on what is going on at Life of the, at The Athletic and obviously West Ham. But now, though, with no football, we keep saying it, no sport, we're mixing it up. And it's time for us to be a little bit nostalgic and reminiscent over a, f- a certain few players, five players that really meant a lot to us. James, you're kicking us off. Five Hammers legends for you that you have a special place in your heart for. See, I haven't got five Hammers players. I've just got it's, it's three Hammers players in there and then two. Oh, two. what? So this, this was a Twitter thing, wasn't it, James? Yeah. This is so outrageous. I didn't thing is the people that tagged me in these tweets were all like real, they were all naming like real cultured players um, and I couldn't just reel off you know like Roshane earlier reminded me of uh, George McCartney um, he would have been in that list um, but it just looked really rubbish against other people that have like, said like real cultured players like you know 
Cannavaro and, and all of that. So I thought, no, I'll just throw a couple of others in there. So I've gone Tony Cotty with my first one, the first player, my first hero as a, as a football fan growing up. He was banging the goals in for West Ham when I first started supporting the club all those many years ago. So he's he's a player that will always, always sort of be special to me. Did, did you Cannavaro. see him, James, Tony? Did you watch him play, sorry? Yeah, yeah, he was when when my dad first started taking me. Um, he was he was scoring loads of goals. He actually scored a brace, two two goals in stoppage time when we were two 0 down at home to Norwich to draw two all. And my dad actually pulled me, uh, said right, we're leaving, two minutes to go. So we walked back to the car, and as we walked back to the car, Cotty scored two goals, uh, and we didn't realise until we, we knew we could hear the roar of the, the crowd. Didn't realise it was Cotty scored scored both. So we got back in the car and turned the radio on. Um, and I burst into tears when I found out it was quite the score too because I was desperate to see him score goals, um, and I'd never forgave my dad for that one. But he was a hero to me. Um, Paolo Di Canio, obviously, anyone growing up in that era, um, any West Ham fan will know that he's, he's a legend at the club. The last West Ham player on my list is Ricardo Vazte. Um, obvious reasons or just his hair? Um, both. The obvious reason, obviously, he scored the winner in the playoff final, and it was always a dream of mine to see West Ham play and win at Wembley. Uh, and that day was the first time I got to witness that. And he scored the winner right in front of us. And uh, about a year later, we bumped into him in the tube at Upton Park after a, a midweek game. He was injured at the time. And he was just queuing, you know, the, the long queue at Upton Park Station after a game. He was just sort of in the queue wait, waiting to get on the tube. Really? Yeah, and we bumped into him and had a couple of pictures of him and had a chat and he was chatting to fans and he was just really, like, really down to earth, really nice guy. Um, so yeah, bit of a hero for obvious reasons and the fact that you know just getting on the tube after a night game thought was that's quite brilliant. I've never quite, heard that before. That's awesome. And the other two, Juan Mata, apart from the fact I think he's just a wonderful footballer, just a really nice guy as well. When he first signed for Chelsea, I read his, he had a little blog going, um, and he was just saying that on his days off he'd just go into London and go sightseeing on his own. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and I, I, thought that was really, I thought it was really... Will, you're not happy oh, about please, it. Oh, please tell us more, James. Oh, I thought, well, we might love him. really cute. Like, where, like where did he go? Going, Back in the palace? He, Big Ben? He just, he just wanted to go and see like, Big Ben, but he was just on his own. Oh, so, Chelsea oh, players. Oh, Chelsea oh, players. This is outrageous. He did uh, go to Harrods as well, did he? Oh, I don't know, mate. I don't know, but... Yeah, oh, he just went to the shops and he just spent money and he just, just he was just such a like I don't know like he wrote a blog and it was like springtime. I just really felt for him. <laughs> Wonder James didn't want his missus in the room. I can't believe this. You like one matter based on what he was doing in his blog. He just was walking <laughs> around London, guy. just like all those other millions of people. I just I just read it in a thought. Isn't he cute? Little little Spaniard in 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 England, just sightseeing on his own in between training. For those people who've listened to the pod and the show for a long, long time, you will remember that I've got massive beef with one matter, and I thought you may have put that him in just because of that. Despite you. <laughs> well, an ex-girlfriend of mine used to really, really fancy him, and she used to tell me every time he come on the screen, so simply because of that, even though he clearly is the nicest guy and he's really good at football <laughs> and he is actually quite handsome, just because mm. of that, I just hated him forever since then. I mean, that's, that's a fair reason to hate someone, I suppose. Because <laughs> uh, your girlfriend fancies him. Yeah. All right. Okay, my last one is Filippo Inzaghi. Um, and purely because growing up, it's like the first foreign player that I kind of idolised almost. I had, a, I had a World Cup book. No, I think it was Euro '96 book, I think. And yeah, I just it, it, it was uh, they did a feature in him or something, and 
I used to, used to always be my favourite player that wasn't English, even though I, I rarely saw him play. I just like really liked him. Um, and yeah, so now I always look out for him, see what he's up to. Uh, so yeah. See if he's going on any walks with Juan Mata, any any strolls in Italy, any coffees. He doesn't have a blog, so I can't keep up. I can't really. Gutter. Uh, I might ask Roshane Thomas to see if he can track him down for me and get into it. Well, alongside Juan Mata's blog and uh, James's World Cup book, Will, who who was your top five? Yeah, I think now's probably the best sort of time to mention the. I mean, we've we've briefly touched on it before on the pod, but mention the the slight age difference between me and James, and by slight I mean fairly considerable. But uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I was born in. What in, is the uh, age difference? I don't even uh, know. Well, I was born in 1991, and James, you were born in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was born. I was born in 88. It's only three years, uh, isn't it? Oh, 88. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> it must be that cap. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and and to be honest, like when you, you mentioned there about seeing Tony Cotty play, I know my first game was in 1997, Everton at home, and I believe mine was a two-all draw as well. Um, but I think I just missed that generation. So my number one was Julian Dix. He was the first player. Uh, one of the first games I really remember going was Steve Potts' testimonial against QPR. But yeah, Julian Dix, I, I had him on my back on my first shirt, the Dagenham and Motors, sorry, Dagenham Motors pony shirt, when I was, you know, I could just learn to start walking. And he was the first player I can really remember, you know, really galvanising that feeling of what it meant to support West Ham, just going around, trying his artists all the time, smashing people up in the air, whacking penalties in, just that bullish, raw energy that sort of signif- symbolised West Ham and Upton Park. That was that was really Julian Dix for me. And then I've I've got Paolo on there as well. I just think the age I was, I might have been a little bit younger, but it was that obsession level. I read Paolo Di Canio's autobiography, you know, probably into the tens of times when I was that age. And I remember going to see him at Lakeside, uh, getting him to sign a shirt of mine. Again, had his name on the back and getting him to sign a shirt and it was that age where you know when you see the mascots or whatever on the telly now just looking at these people in awe and that's exactly how i felt about the canny i absolutely loved him and then the next one on the list i mentioned already in in the episode but it was sebastian schemmel he was he was sort of in the team at the sort of time where i was a right back or i was playing right back at the time and i think that his hair anyway he had outstanding hair when he had it long and when he cut it, it's a bit of a David and Goliath situation. When he cut his hair off, he lost all his strength and ability, didn't he? But <laughs> for that one season, Sebastian Schemmel was an absolute wizard at what right back and where I was playing there at the time as well. One hammer a year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And, you know, he yeah. was, he was outstanding. And for a right back to do that, I was the feeler kit. I remember him playing. Jermaine Defoe was just breaking through into the team at the time. And uh, it was a great time to be watching him. I think where I used to sit on the East stand as well in the upper tier, You for every game, I used to see the, the wingers and the right backs close up. And that sort of influenced my next choice. And my next one was Thomas Repka. He is my all-time favourite West Ham player. I mean, far less cultured than Sebastian Schemmel, far less hair, come to think mm. of it. I think if you uh, shaved, you would look like Repka. Yeah, I fancy that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, again, he was, uh, I don't, I, I just love that uh, commitment in football, those, the people who used to fly into tackles. I know people who see him as a bit of a hard man, but he was a good, he was a good player. He gave everything 
every time he, he went out for West Ham and, and people loved him and the just the simplicity of the Super Tom Super Thomas Repka song that yeah that that used to go around the whole of Upton Park and I mentioned sitting in the East Stand there it wasn't always the liveliest of stands atmosphere wise but I remember a few games especially his last one Fulham at home and I think it was the game that Yossi Benioun and Anton Ferdinand both yeah. scored rascal chips from the edge of the box. And yeah. Repka, it was his last ever game. He was in tears at the end of the game. The whole stadium singing Super Tom. And it was one of my favourite moments supporting West Ham. And my final one, for obvious reasons, I don't need to say anything more other than his name, was Carlos Tevez. What a man. Uh, again, I was, it was one of those times where... I went, I missed very few games that season, home and away. And it was also the last time I cried at football when, when he scored at, at Old Trafford to keep us up. I was so emotionally invested in that season and in him in particular that, um, yeah, Carlos Tevez, you just, I, I couldn't, I, if I ever met him, I'd be back to that admirable little jelly leg boy like I was with the Canio. I think some classic picks there from you both. Hashtag finding Sebastian Schemel, Tevez, but uh, none more so than uh, James's blog and Juan Mata. Some really, really good picks there. Uh, different reasons why, but I enjoyed them very much. So what are you making? Who's the five players that you maybe remember first? West Ham legends and non-West Ham legends that you just really took to your heart when you first went over the football. It is, though, the big thing. It is the colossal quiz. It is the West Ham Rogue Mystery Players Quiz, and it's coming up next. We have reached the home stretch, the home straight, the business end of the show, and it is all business now because it is time for the West Ham Mystery Rogue Players Quiz. Absolute scenes last week in the quiz. I had to stand in for Reese Bayliss. Will was not happy at the clues. He lost, but to tell us all about it and give us an update on those scores and those standings. Will, what is the scores? Yeah, so anyone who doesn't already follow We Are West Ham on Twitter, Charlie, has an updated scoreboard with all of the previous answers on it. So I am 12-10 up in game weeks and it's 34 32 to me on points difference so really is not a lot in it at all but if uh, like I say there if, if you want to go to the We Are West Ham Twitter account you'll be able to see the scoreboard we posted up earlier which has got all 66 answers that uh, Reese has come up with and given five clues for this year so we're grateful to him for that but if you want to have a look at the past answers and the ones that both me and Jonesy have got then go to the We Are West Ham on Twitter but like I say there Charlie 12-10 to me on game weeks 34-32 points difference. And I just want to add that the last round is going to be May the 19th. The actual Premier League season would have finished on May the 17th. So provided me and Jonesy can do every week up until then, that'll be 30 game weeks in total. So I, if, I, if I get four wins from now, then Jonesy can only win it on points difference. So we've got eight weeks to go, 12-10 to me at the moment. Well, I'd have to quickly add, uh, I did look at this new scoreboard that was tweeted out earlier. I'm keeping my eye on you to a close eye, a close eye on this quiz as well. And I did notice that, Will, you put best uh, guess of the season, Mark Reaper. I didn't give you that honour. So who who gave you that honour? Who decided you have that title? He gave it to himself. Yeah, we're not having that, James, are we? I don't remember us agreeing on that one. No, no. Stewards, I think. Fortunately, as I uh, as I get the guy to do up the graphic for the scoreboard for us, 
fortunately, uh, it's only me who's in control of the best guest of the season, and that will keep being pumped out to the public. Friends, friends, graphic friends. You forget that you've sent me the edit file, so I can always go in there and tweak it. Mm. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, because I think even though Will's in the lead, we're not sure. We may have to put it out. What was the best guest of the season? Well, you know it's getting really tight. James getting that win last week. Who will come out victorious in tonight's game? As you know, three players, five clues. The clues get progressively easier as we go on. Boys, are you ready? Ready. Yep. Right. Well, if you know it, like uh, Will, just shout, keep shouting it out. Just keep shouting <laughs> it out until you get it right. Even if it's been a name that we've already had this season. Player number one, clue number one, began their career at Wickham Wanderers in 1982. Oh. Played over Martin the... Allen. As incorrect. <laughs> Played over 200 games for West Ham. Clue number three. Promoted twice and relegated twice with West Ham. Paul Goddard. Incorrect. Ooh. Clue number four. West Ham caretaker manager on three occasions. Kevin Kane. That is correct. And it is James 1-0. Unbelievable scenes because yes. James only needed one guess and he gets it right on the button. And can I also add, every time Will did get a guess, even though he was nowhere near, decided to add in a... Ooh! Like it was really close, like he hit the woodwork. Well, he didn't. And it is 1-0 to James tonight. We go on to player number two. Can James get the victory here or can will level it up this is big one this is player number two clue number one spent six years at west ham represented england 12 times at senior level andy carroll both both incorrect dean ashton incorrect clue number three a double playoff final winner. Scott Parker. No. Incorrect. Oh. Incorrect. Played over 600 career games. Teddy Sheringham. Incorrect. What, represented right. England 12 times. Robert Green. That is correct. And James oh. has <laughs> won tonight. And it is 2-0. James Jones with the victory comes out swinging. And he, well, he's got, we don't even need player three. So James has won tonight, which means it is 12-11 overall. And it is currently, even more important, 34-34. So this next clue, even though tonight's victory is assured, this clue is for a, a a point lead, even though Will still has the, the game week leads. But this one is, that, is, is the massive. curse of the three week lead, Charlie, isn't it? It so well, it's coming James, back to haunt you. I was Will. 12 up last week after James had a three game week lead. No one can get that four game week lead. And can I just say, Will, you said it was Mark Lewis last week. You, you, you're having a bit of a meltdown. You, you, mm. It's just, you know, bad form. But this is player number three. And player number three started his West Ham youth career. In 1994, won the Premier League Player of the Month in January 2006. Jermaine Defoe? Incorrect. Debut was against Preston in 2004. 
Glenn Johnson? Incorrect. Middle name, Julian. All right, this is a clue where you're both going to get it. So, uh, names at the ready. One of a trio of the same surname to play for West Ham. Probably. It was Anton Ferdinand and James has won tonight 3-0. It is unbelievable. It's a whitewash. It is 3-0 to the Jones. It's unbelievable. He may be drinking Fosters. He may be wearing a dodgy cap, but still, his knowledge is unquestionable because it is James Free, Will Pugh, nil. And James, once again, a victory drink and a victory speech. How are you feeling, sir? Absolutely buzzing. Uh, a few weeks ago, as you know, I was I thought I was dead and buried. I thought I was no way I'm coming back. My confidence so was shot. <laughs> My confidence was shot. I really I really thought I'd blown it here. Um, but I'm ahead on the points difference. I'm only I'm only a game week behind Will now. Uh, bring on the main If I'd have won it by then, I'd have won it. Yeah, and is it sort of an honourable victory for you at the minute, James? Because you might be losing 12-11, uh, but you've actually got more players correct. Yeah, um, ah, it's, it's testament to you know, <laughs> training I put in you know, to the character. Uh, I'm, re- I'm really proud of myself. I showed a lot of character this, uh, this evening uh, and then over the last few weeks. Uh, and for, for a 3-0 win, that's really given me the confidence to, to move, move on up now. And yeah, Will. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm much more of a George Graham type manager. Do you know what I mean? I just get the, I want the three points every week. Um, so, you know, I'm more than happy for the, to be behind on goal difference because we all know it's game weeks that matter the most. So, <laughs> but, but I'm still 12-11 up. There's absolutely no problem to me whatsoever. Because we, we all know it's, it's game weeks. It's Because ga- we all know it's game weeks. It's game exactly. weeks. Of course, it's <laughs> like, when, you know, Man City, if they score more goals than Liverpool but come second to them in the league, well, it doesn't matter, does it? You know what? And But you've still got to beat me five more, six more times, and I would love it. I'd love it if I beat you. <laughs> James, you go into it now thinking that you might actually claim the first championship. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I know I said that, I know I said that, you know, by the May 19th, I'd have it wrapped up. I've got to keep my feet on the ground here, guys. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've got to take every week as it comes. We haven't won anything yet. Still, mm. still weak behind, but we, we go again next week. Absolutely, and Will, just the last word from you. Then, can we put it down to you drinking tonight? Uh, I think maybe. I mean, James was <laughs> guzzling through his his first glass of wine when I cracked my first one open. I've only mm. had one. James obviously added a Foster's or two since then. And perhaps I I it was water. What, <laughs> I think, uh, from my perspective, Charlie, I think it's perhaps. The increased amount of alcohol in James's bloodstream than we would have in a normal live show that, that perhaps was giving him the boost that he really needed. But no, a 3 0 defeat is not what I needed at all, what I was expecting, to be quite honest with you. Well, it's been another episode of We Are West Ham. But just before we go, just quickly from you both, not only a goodbye, but still lots to look forward to in the next few weeks and more uh, big guests lined up. Yeah, we've uh, sort of it's David Connolly we've had on the show in the past. He's we've spoke to him this week. He was hoping to come on tonight, but uh, we were unable to get him on. But we're hoping to have him on even next week or the week after that. And uh, yeah, thanks to Rashane who came on tonight. Jack Rosser, of course, 
last week and we hope to to keep that up during this weird and strange difficult time for everyone because try and give a little bit of light relief bit of west ham chat and uh, yeah try and get as many guests on as we can who can probably offer a little bit more insight than me and jonesy yeah i, I think we're, we're managing managing pretty well given the circumstances and um obviously that the reminder is that you know if, if everyone enjoys what we what we do every week uh then please make sure you you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're you're, you're listening on uh, and leave us a review if you can uh, five stars would be lovely and uh and obviously go and follow us on twitter where you can hopefully by by tomorrow you can see the updated scoreboard where um i'll be just just a little bit closer to catching will uh that's we are underscore west ham on twitter yeah please uh definitely subscribe to the podcast follow us on twitter Tweet us with your five players. Tweet us any ideas, any subjects that maybe we could talk about next week. We would be more than happy to have them. In fact, we'd love to hear from you and we can take that over. But we will see you definitely next week. Where are you gone, James? Uh, Mrs. in the rooms. I'll turn it off. Just for a little bit. That's not very nice. You're not ashamed of that. Terrible. Can't believe that. (laughs) outrageous form right I'm going then see you later Will can't be having that (laughs) (laughs) what you're telling me I've got to do the next two sections just staring at Will Pugh you're having a laugh (laughs) I'll be back I'm still here boys don't don't miss me too much my missus wouldn't stand for that Charlie I don't know about yours I don't know how James gets away with it if I'm honest neither do I especially with that he's letting himself go yeah he's letting himself go (laughs) to to be fair Podcast Network.